you know, Vietnam is still a communist country, and the gospel is not allowed. We're not supposed to be. And something I didn't know until Pastor Jack told me the other day, um, this ministry that we're working with, because of what they're doing from Australia, it's one of the, he, he's not sure if it's the only, but it is definitely one of the few um, ministries legally sanctioned by the Vietnamese government because of what they support. So because of the mobility aids and because of the heart surgeries and because of the, the deeds that they're doing in that country, the government actually sanctions what they do. Whereas in most situations, they, we, they'll, they'll, they find out you're preaching the gospel, you're gone. And um, something that they don't talk about in the video, but like something that's hard for us to, to try to kind of comprehend, you think, why don't they have cerebral palsy mobility aids? But you have to remember, communist countries are communist. And I don't know how long ago it was they decided that they, they were willing to allow you to keep it. But it wasn't too long ago that if your child was born and diagnosed with cerebral palsy, because it's communist, they just killed the baby. That's, it's, that's communism, right? It's evolution. It's the idea. It's a burden on us. That's, communism eliminates a burden. And until recently, they said, oh, if you want to keep the baby that's sick, fine. You keep the baby. But they no system to actually aid and help. And this ministry came along and said, and the stories that they shared about, uh, in fact, the, 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 the minister was in Australia when we were there. And one of the stories that really stuck to me was how when he showed up at a house to, to visit a family with a child with cerebral palsy, that the, teen, the little sister, the little sister came out carrying her older brother and to, out to meet everybody. And they asked, you know, what, what's life like? And the little sister said, I, if he wants to, has to go anywhere, I have to carry him. Everywhere. I carry him everywhere he needs to go. Otherwise, he would literally be stuck on a floor all day long. He'd never move. They would bring him his food. They would, but never move. He would just be stuck on the floor. And uh, those mobility, mobility aids are literally changing their lives. And I, I probably should have wrote it down, but I think they said this year we're going to build, we're going to donate 50, 52. Um, it's powerful to think that, you know, for some of us, the tiny little thing we're sacrificing for our faith promise is going to revolutionize somebody's life in Vietnam. Like some tiny little sacrifice, and now there's going to be a young man who gets to sit outside and watch his friends play, whereas before he was stuck inside the house on the floor. So it's pretty powerful. Tonight we have the privilege and the honor of having a, a legend in the house to preach and to share. I won't steal too much of her thunder about uh, all the stuff that she's done and her and her husband, Daniel, who are close friends of this ministry for a very long time. Um, geez, I don't even know, like 2006 maybe, um, uh, when we first got to go down there. Um, I don't even know if the first time we went down there was, I don't know if they had the building. It was just that one building. Yeah, I think the first time we went down there was just that one building in La Mission. You just came um, from the other side of, of, well, not the other side, but from, from Cala, Mexico, or where was it? The, what? Oh, yeah, right, Tecate, right? Um, and uh, it's not that far now that I say that. Uh, but, but anyways, uh, to share not only what she's doing, but a message from her heart and from God to us and, and to encourage us and to inspire us and hopefully challenge us. So if we could give Heidi a round of applause as she comes up to bring the word. Buenas tardes. ¿Cómo están? My name is Heidi Elizarraz. It kind of sounds like Feliz Navidad. Like, it kind of goes with that, and no one ever introduces me with my last name because no one can say it. Daniel, my husband, even says that I can't say it right. So, anyways, 
Um, I've been a missionary in Mexico for the last 15 years. Um, I went on a missions trip and I ended up graduating college and that missions trip changed my life forever. And I ended up staying in Mexico and I've never left. And so I wanna tell you my story um, and encourage you to believe God for what God is putting on your heart to believe for. I want to thank Pastor Dan and Reagan and the vision of In Church, um, Pastor Jack and Carol, for what you guys are doing for missions all over the world. It is so amazing to be part of a church that believes in missions because missions is the heart of Jesus. Jesus came to this earth and he said to go and make disciples of all of the nations. And we here in America, we can go with our money. We can go with our prayers. And we can go on mission trips that literally change your life and change the people's life that you're serving forever. And you don't really know the impact it is to be in a church that gives to missions. Like this is what living is about. Living is about doing God's will in our lives. And God's will is that no one will perish, but that everyone would have a chance to receive Jesus Christ as their personal savior. And we get to be a part of that. And I get to be a part of that every day in Mexico, in the children's lives, in the families' lives that we support. I have Taryn with me. She's a missionary down there with us at one of our campuses. She's brand new, six months on the mission field, but her and her husband um, have a five-year commitment with us. There are worship pastors at one of our church plants, and they help host the mission teams that come down. And so they are vital tool for us to be um, to keep serving down in Mexico. I want to show you a picture of my family before I get started. That's my handsome husband, Daniel. I looked for the darkest Mexican I could find, and he looked for the whitest girl in Mexico. And so we found each other, and these are our daughters, Samaria and Sela, and we're full-time down in Mexico. And so I'll tell you in and out of the story, the message I have for you tonight, kind of our story, how we met, how we started Open Arms, and then what God is calling in church um, to do, to do greater things in the world. Amen? Let me just pray before I get started. Father God, I just thank you. Thank you for this opportunity, God, to just um, tell your heart to these people, God, of what you're doing in Mexico, of what you're doing with Open Arms. I just pray that you open the floodgates of heaven. Let your spirit come upon this place, God. Use me as an instrument. Let it be your words and your voice that they hear, God. Take away all of me and put all of you, Lord Jesus. I just pray that you bless this church because they have been such a blessing to so many others, Lord God. And that you would just show them your will and your way in this world in 2019. In the name of Jesus, amen. So I want to tell you my story of saying yes to God. And that story started about 15 years ago when I went on that first missions trip to Mexico that changed my life forever. Jesus broke my heart for the children and the families of Mexico. And I knew in that very moment on that missions trip that God had a call on my life. I gave up everything and I immediately moved to go work at this orphanage in Tecate, Mexico. Actually, that's the orphanage where my husband Daniel grew up 
for most of his entire life. And he was working because he's serving there when I came down as a missionary. He grew up in that orphanage because he's a poverty orphan, which means he has a mom and a dad, but they were too poor to take care of him and his seven brothers and sisters. And they wound up being taken away from their home and placed into an orphanage. And the reality is, is that four out of five children growing up in an orphanage in Mexico and most all of the world, four out of five of them are there, but they have a living parent but are usually too poor to take care of them. There isn't a daycare system set up in Mexico to care for children and to help keep families together. I worked at that orphanage and saw so many desperate mothers come in and drop off their children just because they couldn't put food on their table or send them to school with a backpack and school supplies. And my heart broke and I said, God, there's gotta be another way. This is not your heart. Your heart is for families. Your heart is to keep families together. Why are families being torn apart and broken just because of poverty issues? Where are the people coming alongside of the families working to help keep them together? And hearing Daniel's story of him growing up and his seven brothers and sisters, he knows this reality firsthand. The Mexican government came in and took them out of a one-bedroom home where him and his seven brothers and sisters slept on the floor with the mom and the dad. His mom and dad had to leave every single day to look for work. They had to fend for themselves, getting themselves ready for school, cooking breakfast, getting their younger brothers and sisters ready until the, the CPS, it's like CPS, it's called DEEF in Mexico, came in and said, these kids can't live like this and took them to go live in an orphanage. His parents never came to visit him, let alone tried to get him and his brothers out. So this is how the vision of open arms began. God orchestrated my life and Daniel's life to come together, and he gave us a dream to keep families together, together to prevent the abandonment of children to orphanages and to the streets being neglected to the streets just because there's not a daycare system in Mexico. We began this dream 13 years ago when we got married, and we believed that God had a call on our lives. So we trusted him, and we followed him, and we obeyed him. And today, we have over 180 kids who are off the streets and out of orphanages. We've actually rescued nine kids from orphanages that were only there for poverty reasons, and we have brought them back together to be with their family. God has given us more than we have ever dreamed of. He has been faithful to provide for us for growing youth ministry, a growing men's and women's ministry. We have a medical and dental clinic at one of our campuses, and we have a new church plant at our second campus where we're at, where this next Sunday we will be celebrating two years of all that God has done. If anyone has believed God, it is me. But if I can be honest with you, believing God has not always been easy. <laughs> believing God has been scary, and it has been my lifelong journey. Sometimes I have been fearful to believe. And believing that God would provide for me and sometimes provide for all of the families in our care at Open Arms, it has been difficult sometimes. 
You know, people who believe God have problems just like everybody else. But the people that believe God believes of believes his promises and know that he's in control, that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that Jesus is sitting on the throne and that we can trust him and we can follow him and we can obey him. So I want you to take a journey back with me to Mexico. Take a deep breath, smell the homemade tortillas, feel the warm sun on your skin, take a bite of that chips and salsa, and let me take you back to the beginning of Open Arms. Now, when you put a poor missionary together with an orphan boy, you basically equal zero. Like, we equal zero. Like, we had nothing. We had nothing but this, like, vision that God gave us to keep families together. And thank the, thank the Lord, my mom is a huge supporter and um, invested her retirement to purchase our first house to begin open arms in La Mission. So you've been there, Scott, right? Like the orange building, that was a one-story building. That's all we had. We lived there. We had this huge vision to rescue kids from orphanages, to keep, to keep kids um, off of the streets, and to keep families together. But I want to share, you, share with you, like, our beginnings so I can tell you, like, what God's doing now and how he uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things when you believe him. Like, we seriously had nothing. We, we, I mean, we had nothing. Literally, we have had one dollar in our pocket. And I'm not saying that to make a good story. Because we literally had $1 in our pocket because I remember the day we had, we were new to the area. So our first campus is in between Rosarito and Ensenada in a town called La Mision. It's about 45 minutes from the border. And there's a toll road, which you can go faster to get to where you want to go. Or there's this free road, which is like the off, off, I don't know how to speak English. Um, like the, the road, the side road. And, um. And we went to Rosarito to pay our electrical bill. And you still have to go and stand in line and pay in cash. Like, still, this was 13 years ago. And we had enough money to pay our electric bill. And we had about $3 left. And we accidentally got on the toll road. And the toll is, like, about $2. And I give my husband the money. And I look at him with tears in my eyes. And I said, Daniel, we have $1 to our name. We can't even take care of ourselves. How are we supposed to take care of families and children? How are we supposed to get kids off the streets? We can't even take care of ourselves. And we got home that day and we got on our knees. And we said, God, this is our last and only dollar. We know that you have put this vision in our heart to keep families together. We know that it's your heart that you have ordained the family, and you want us to fight to keep families together. But we need a sign so that you can tell us that this is what we're supposed to be doing, that we really did hear you, and it wasn't just, you know, us. Sometimes, like, you can confuse yourself. Like, the enemy wants you to confuse, be confused that you didn't hear the voice of God. And we said, God, we need you to show up. We have nothing. Tomorrow, I don't know what we're going to eat. How are we supposed to save the world, <laughs> you know? And so we prayed that prayer, and we were full of faith, and we got up, and we were like, you know what? God is going to provide. 
God is our provider. It doesn't matter what our circumstances look like. I know what the word says, and he is our provider, and we are going to have faith and believe in him. And we went around town the next day, and we actually ran into this American couple that was visiting from Utah, and we have a really nice beach by us, so they probably were at the beach, and they're like, what are you guys doing down here? And we showed them our big vision, which was nothing at that time. And, um, you know, we want to get 25 kids, rescue them from the streets, make sure that they have warm food in their bellies. We want to teach them about Jesus. We want to do tutoring and homework for them so that they don't have to fall behind because of their vulnerability and their financial situations. And they wrote us a check that day for $250. When you have $1 in your pocket, $250 seems like a lot of money. But really, it was God's sign saying, I am with you. I am for you. I will provide for your needs. Just believe and trust in me. I will never leave you or forsake you. And ever since that day that we gave our last dollar to the Lord, I have seen miracle and financial, uh, financial miracles over and over and over again. Within two weeks that we gave that dollar back to the Lord, someone we don't even know sent down $20,000 to build the daycare and get it going. Other people started jumping on board and saying, we're going to come down on a missions trip. We're going to come down and give this. Because it's when you step out in faith, when you step out of your comfort zone, when you give your last dollar to the Lord, it's loaves and fishes. He's going to multiply it, and he's going to do what only God can do and he will provide for you. Just a, a couple months after that, once we finally got our first missions trip to come on board, it's, it was my mom's church. Um, the reason why I know Dan is because my aunt and uncle used to work at his church. Like, it's all in the family. That's, that's like, we just, my mom's church, my grandma's church, you know, my aunt's church. That's how we started. And the, we needed to build a second story to our little house that we had so we could live on the second story and be able to care for the children on the bottom story. Because, like, our life mission was, like, to rescue 25 kids. That's all we could even envision at this point 13 years ago. And so we needed to build a second story on our house. But electrical lines literally covered the front part of our house. And in order to build up, those electrical lines needed to be moved. And so you do what you're supposed to do. You go in, you talk to the electrical company, you write the papers out, you ask them to come in and move the lines. And, like, it's dangerous anyway to have electrical lines over your house. Like, it's a danger. So I would think, yeah, they're going to come and do this fast. I forgot that I lived in a third world country. Everything takes 10 to 20 times longer. I'm getting really nervous because our first missions trip is signed up to come and help us. And they can't build if those lines are over our house. And so I'm going in all the time. I'm calling. I mean, they hang up on you. There's like no customer service. They, they don't care that there's electrical lines over your house as long as you're paying your bill. And I just felt like the Holy Spirit just say, Heidi, just be still and know that I am God. And so I stopped calling, and I stopped going in, and I just stopped panicking story. Well, if the mission trip comes, and they can't build our second story, God, you're going to tell us what to do. So they were supposed to get there on April 1st, 
on March 30th, all of the electricity goes out in La Mission. And I'm like, what's going on? And I look outside, and I have a picture. You want to put it on, Reagan? There's these guys climbing up the electrical pole right by our house, moving the lines above our building. Two days before the missions trip was there to build the second story. God provides. He shows up when you say yes and you follow him. When we opened the first center, we literally could only take care of five children. That's all we could afford. But today we have gotten hundreds of children off the streets and have kept over a hundred families together. We've rescued children from orphanages. We've come alongside single moms, single dads, moms and dads that just can't make it on the father's salary alone. Hundreds and hundreds of people have given their life to Jesus through the different ministries of open arms. In Isaiah 58:11, it says, where God guides, he provides. And I feel like we need to hear that tonight. Where God guides you, he provides for you. God would not put a dream on my heart if he wasn't going to give me everything I needed to fulfill it. If God has put a need on your heart, you need to know that he's going to give you everything you need to fulfill it, but you must trust him and follow him. I want to push the fast forward button a little bit um, and talk a little bit more about open arms later down in the years. You know, we're successful. We're running a ministry with 75 kids in La Mission at, at the campus when, uh, where we built up in the electrical line. We bought a piece of property next to us to expand and another piece of property on the other side of us to expand. And everything's going really good. We have 75 kids. We have a church plant. We have a youth center. We have a medical and dental facility helping the needs of the community. And finally, I felt like I could just breathe. I'm like, there's so much growth in the first seven, eight years. I was like, I can finally breathe. The finances are coming in. God's providing. And I remember God quietly whispered in my ear. <laughs> he said, Heidi, I've never called you to be comfortable. I need you to get ready to open your arms again. I need you to get ready to take in more kids, more families. And I need you to go three hours south and check out some property. He told us that he was going to take us above and beyond anything that we could have ever dreamt or imagined. He called us to start a second campus, and it's not even close to our first campus, so it's not easy. It's not easy to go three hours more south and try to manage two campuses. But he sent us to this rural town in Kamalu. No one knows where it is. It's barely on the map. But if you've ever heard of San Quintin, anybody ever heard of Valle de San Quintin? No? Okay. So if you're at San Diego, it's four hours south, and it's like real Mexico. I call real Mexico because tourists don't go there. Um, you don't see Americans. Me and Taryn are the only white people in the whole town. Um, and it, it's about, um, it's, all agriculture. So has anybody ever eaten a Driscoll strawberry, a Hunt's tomato? 
Okay, 80% of what of of all of that agriculture comes from Camelou. Um, they're working for about $12 a day to put food on America's table. And nobody's taking care of their children. They're running the streets. Their children are their biggest victims of their circumstances. Older siblings are forced to stay at home forfeiting their education to take care of their younger brothers and sisters so their parents can go to work. Hunger and lack of child care are the mother's number one complaint. Child care programs in Mexico are almost non-existent, leaving so many children roaming the streets with no one to take care of them. Something has to be done. How can, we we, how can we prevent these injustices from happening before the children are hurt, abused, or abandoned? In Micah 6, 8, it says to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. These children in Kamaloo who are abandoned to orphanages or are, fed, are left to fend for themselves on the streets are some of the most vulnerable children in the world. Imagine leaving your kids home alone. Imagine the dangers that are out there. There's child trafficking. There's sexual predators. We know of people who's left their kids in their homes to go to work and their house has burned down. That doesn't even begin to consider the psychological impact of a child abandoned to an orphanage. Open Arms mission is to help families stay together while offering nutritional, educational, and psychological support and biblical training without removing a child from their family. And that is why we believed God for a second campus. But believing again, starting all over again, it was scary for me. There were moments where I had tears. I cried. I cried out to God. How are we supposed to raise enough money to buy a piece of property and maintain what we were doing in La Mision at our first campus? To be honest, I was nervous and I was anxious and I was tense to believe that God would provide in such a miraculous way again. But my father God spoke to me and he said, Heidi, I'm with you. If I am sending you, I'm going to already go ahead of you and make the way. And when you love Jesus and you know him as your father, you know that he will always take care of you. And it makes it a little bit easier to believe him. I love Jesus so much. I will go wherever he sends me. I will do whatever he has called me to do, no matter what the cost. And in 1 John 1.13, it says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. As believers, our self-worth is based on the fact that God loved us and calls us his children. Knowing that we are children makes us be able to live more like Jesus lived, and Jesus lived a radical life of love. He loves me so much. Why wouldn't I believe him to do it again and again and again? And that day that I said yes, 
the day that I believed God for his provision for another campus, the day that I said, okay, God, I will go, he has showed up every step of the way. Faith tells me that no matter what lies ahead, God is already there. Amen? From that day on, I never stopped believing God, that he would provide for open arms. When we found the campus, the land that we wanted to purchase for in Camelou, it's five-acre property. The town is about 16 to 20,000 people. They're not quite sure how many. And the need is 10 to 20 times um, larger that our, than our first campus in Camelou, the, in La Mision. So we knew we had to go way bigger. And so we knew we had to raise a lot of money. And so the property that we found was $70,000 for five acres with ocean view, guys. Ocean view. We're like five minutes from the ocean, but it was the last property with running water and electricity that big in our town. And so when we looked all around and we knew that God was calling us to Camelou, we needed to raise $100,000, $70,000 to purchase the property and $30,000 to just get it going and to pay the taxes and to pay all the fees of transferring the name and everything. Now, when you've had $1 in your pocket, $100,000 seems astronomical to a boy who grew up in an orphanage and a very poor missionary girl. We're like, God, how is this even possible? How are we going to raise $100,000 while still maintaining our first campus? But we set out to raise hundred k in 100 days. And during those 100 days, we actually spoke at, that, at, at this church. I think it was actually the first church that we spoke at in those 100 days. And you guys were the first people to sow in to what God is now doing in Kamaloo, and that was in 2014. And today in Kamaloo, we have 90 kids that are off the streets and out of orphanages. 300 to 500 people have given their, given their lives to Jesus at our church and at our outreaches. We have 100 kids that are coming to our youth service on Friday night at High Voltage because you guys decided to sow a seed and believe in these missionaries, these crazy missionaries, American and Mexican person together to go and want to fight for families. You guys did that. Believing in God wasn't just for us. It was for you too. And it was for all the people that came alongside of us that said, yes, we will go with our money. We will go with our prayers while you guys are on the front lines. And you know, I remember speaking at this church, and I don't know if the lady is here or will be here tomorrow. But she came up to me at the table at the end and she gave me this ring. I wear this ring every single day. This ring is a promise to me that God is with me. That there's people in the United States that believe in this vision. And that I am his child and I'm royalty because I'm a princess of the king. And one day, I will give this ring to someone very, very special to go and continue what God is doing in their lives. You never know the impact that you have on someone's life. You never know. The lady who gave me this ring probably never knows what that meant to me. She doesn't know what that meant to me, what God was saying to me when she gave it to me.
You never know what $25 when you sponsor a child, what that does to their family and to their life. Your investment in the kingdom is a hundred thousand fold. Things that we can never see with our own eyes that we will one day know when we are at the feet of Jesus, praising him in heaven. And I just want to say that all the honor and glory goes to God during that 100K and 100 days because in 46 days, all of that money came in and the Camelou Project began. We believed and we obeyed and God showed up. God didn't give us a dream that matched our budget. He was not looking at my bank account. He was looking at my faith. Was I going to believe him? Was I going to believe that he would do it again? Was I going to believe him for more? Would I act in faith? And you know, if God closed the mouth of the lions for Daniel, if he parted the Red Sea for Moses, if he made the sun stand still for Joshua, if he sent ravens to feed Elijah, if he put a baby in the arms of Sarah and opened the doors of prison for Peter, raised Lazarus from the dead, what can he do for me and what can he do for you if you start to believe him? Not just believe in him, but believe him who he says he is and who he and what he does. If you believe in the promises of the word of this word, he will do those same things that he did for all of those faith giants of the Bible. We believe and God provided. We decided to say yes, yes, God, we will go. Yes, God, we will work. Yes, God, I am scared, but I will go scared. Yes, God, but you better show up. And showed up, he did. You know, we don't have a plan B. We only have a plan A. We don't have a marketing team or a fundraising team or a huge staff that can go and do these fundraisers. We have God and we have his people. And when we come together and the body of Christ comes together, we can rescue kids and keep families together. And he has taken two ordinary people and he has done something extraordinary in the lives of hundreds of people because we decided to believe him. There is power in your belief. Don't underestimate what God can do when you believe in him and believe in his promises. There have been many people that have believed God to make the dream of open arms become a reality. The Camelou Project is bigger and better than our wildest dreams. It's a refuge to so many children and parents finally have an option in Camelou so they don't have to leave their kids home alone. No more children going to orphanages just for poverty reasons. No more. God has ordained the family, and we will fight to keep families together. We will stand in the gap for them and believe that God will use you and use me to provide for the least of these. We will open our arms just like Jesus opened his arms to love these families into the loving arms of Jesus. Just two years ago, now we have not project opened its doors, and we started with 25 kids there. Now we have 90 kids who are off the streets and out of orphanages, and together with both of our campuses, I think we have 180 children in our care every single day, 
rescued and learning about Jesus. I want to tell you a story of two little boys that came into our care. Um, there's a picture of little Raul and Miguel Angel. Raul is seven years old, and his little brother, Miguel Angel, is one years old. They came up from Oaxaca, which is the southern state of Mexico, to find work in the strawberry fields of Camelou. They were escaping a very abusive relationship from his dad. The mom was being physically abused, the kids were being physically abused, and the mom finally got enough courage to leave and find, try to find safety and work in Camelou. She didn't have any relatives there. She didn't know anybody. She's a single mom starting over. She would have to leave her kids home alone so she could go find work to bring back $12 a day. Raul, seven years old. I have a seven-year-old daughter. He would stay home, forfeiting, going to school to take care of his one-year-old brother, Miguel Angel. He would get him up, bathe him in the morning, get him dressed, change his diaper, cook eggs on a small stove to feed both of them. And they tried to stay out of danger and out of sight so that Deep wouldn't come and pick them up and take them to an orphanage. In the evenings, the mom couldn't make enough money, so they would go out to the streets and sell little trinkets to the passerbyers that would come by. She was desperately waiting for open arms to open in Kamaloo. And when we opened, she was one of the first mothers running to our doors, desperately asking for help. Will you please take care of my children so they're not home alone? So they're not in the dangers of the streets. And we said, yes, we will take care of your children. Now they have a place to learn about God's love. They're part of a growing church community and a family that comes alongside of them to help fight for their family. You know, open arms means hope to this mother. Hope that her children won't be picked up by the government and taken to an orphanage. Open arms means safety. Safety from this mother who no longer has to worry about leaving her two young sons locked in the home while she goes to work. Open arms means family because now she will be able to keep her family together. And open arms means Jesus, because we want to open our arms just like Jesus opened his arms to all of these children on the world. Open arms means so much to so many, and we believe because God is faithful. Just last week, we had one of our largest church services on a Sunday without an event or a special speaker, where over 300 people came to hear the word of God. Next Sunday, we have our second year anniversary. Two weeks ago at our women's ministry, 25 women came to know the Lord as their personal Savior. People are coming to church saying that they've never heard the name of Jesus before, that there's people unreached still in Kamaloo that don't know the love of the Father. It's crazy to think that there's still people that don't know who Jesus is. And we get to go and we get to tell them what he did for us on that cross. God is moving. God is so good and he has provided every single one of our needs. We may not always get what we want, but we always get what we need. And you know, we're not done yet. 
God has actually called us to start our third campus now to help more children and more families know the love of Christ. Um, I've told a story to every mission team that comes down and serves with us. I've told churches where I go and speak, where one of the reasons why we do what we do is because we heard when we were working at the orphanage of a family who had a house fire. They locked their girls in their home while they had to go to work because the neighbor couldn't take care of them that day and the grandma couldn't take care of them and all the people that they tried to get childcare with couldn't take care of them and their house burned down and their daughters burned alive in a house fire because there's no daycare system in Mexico. And I've told that story for 13 years to all the groups that have come down. And one day, this lady shows up at my office in Kamaloo. And she's like, Heidi, I've heard about you. And I've heard about what you guys have done all over Baja. Me and my husband are pastors. We just closed down our church. We've been trying to get a children's ministry very similar to what you're doing up and running. But we have no support. We have no groups that come down. We don't have a team. Can you mentor us? And me and my husband, we sat down there and we started talking and we said, you know, tell us a little bit about yourselves. And they said, 15 years ago, we lived in Tijuana and we went to work and we had to lock our girls in, in our house because no one could take care of them and our house burned down. And we lost our girls in that house fire. And I just began to weep because I knew them, but I didn't know them. I had told their story every year to every group. And I had heard about them, but I didn't know them. And they're sitting in my office in Kamaloo in the middle of nowhere asking for my help. And I saw the newspaper article of their girls being carried away like their ashes. And I said, well, what do you need help with? Show, show me your property. And so we went, me and Daniel went to go look at the property. And they have about a one-acre property. It's a flat, it's flat, and it's right by the schools in a town one hour south of Camelot. So now we're talking about five hours south of San Diego. And it's an agricultural community just like Camelot in the Kids are roaming the streets while their parents are at work. There's no one to take care of them. And we pull up to this property, and right in front of the property, and you know when you're asking God for direction, like you ask for confirmation? And he confirms it in many different ways. But in this way, he confirmed it in a very literal sign. Right in front of the property, there's a store called Abarrotes Heidi spelled exactly like my name. I am German. I have a German name. There's no one named Heidi in Mexico. And it's spelled exactly like my name. And right on the other side is a hardware store called Ferreteria Danny, my husband's name, in front of the property. And I said, God, is this a sign? Is this one of those signs? And I go home and I tell my mom because my mom actually retired and is on the mission field with us. She takes care of my house. She homeschools my daughters. I don't know what I would do without her. And she's like, Heidi, what more confirmation do you want? Your names are right in front of the property. And get this, they're going to give us the property outright 
if we do an open arms on their property. And so we're actually in the process of signing all of the paperwork, doing all of that. We don't have any money to build another daycare center and another church in Los Pinos. We don't have the people or the teams or the churches to support us, but we have God. And God is a rich, rich father. And if it is his will where he guides us, he will provide for us. And that goes the same for you too. I have learned a lot along this journey. You know, I've learned that we can't move into everything that God has created us and become all he has created us to be if if we don't start believing in who he says he is. And once we believe, we must act. We must obey, however scary or unexpected or unlikely the circumstances may be. I don't know what you need God to provide in your life this evening. But what I can tell you is that God provides for those who believe. What is God asking you? to believe him for tonight? What is in your world here in Phoenix that God is calling you to be a part of? Is he asking you to come alongside of your pastors and serve them and serve the church? Is he asking you to give more, to go on a missions trip? Is he asking you to pray for all of the missionaries and ministries that in church supports? Have you surrendered your life completely to the will of God? If God can provide for me and all of those beautiful children in Mexico, he can provide for you. Don't stop believing just because it gets tough. Let me encourage you to keep believing, to keep giving, to keep supporting missions all around the world because mission is the heart of God. I know that God is speaking to the heart of some of you right now. I know that maybe he's moving you into a new direction. I know that maybe he's asking you to believe, to give something to your faith promise that you don't understand how you're going to be able to give or how you're going to be able to continue with the bills and the things you have in your life. But I want to pray that God gives you the courage to believe him if he's asking you. That you would be brave and step out in your serving and in your giving. You know, many people tell me that I'm brave, but I don't feel brave. And I've learned that being brave isn't the absence of fear, but it's doing it anyway, even though you're scared. What is God asking for you to believe today? Let me pray for you as we sing this song. God, I just pray right now, Holy Spirit, I just ask that your presence would fill this place even more than it is right now. God, I just ask for a spirit of belief to come upon the hearts of this congregation. That, God, you ask us to do things that we don't understand. 
that we don't have the physical abilities or the talents to do or the finances to even do it. But you ask us to step out of our comfort zone and say yes to you. Because you are Jehovah Jireh, God, our provider. And you make us brave, even when we don't feel like it even when we don't know what to do or how to do it or where to go. God, I pray right now that people start saying yes to you and your mission. That people start believing that when we step out for missionaries and missions and we take care of the, the house, our church, that you will take care of us. You love us so and you call us your children. And you provide for your children, God. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you move in their hearts. That you raise up a new generation of givers and goers and servers and missionaries and pastors and evangelists and worship yes, leaders God. and children workers, God, and people to serve the coffee and to greet. And every person has a chance to be on mission because mission is the heart of God. And if this church is mission-minded, this church is after your heart, God, and you will meet the needs of, the, of your children in this church, God, because you are faithful. I just pray, Lord God, that you raise up, God, people that believe in your promises. Not just believe in you, God, but believe you. That we would be able to step out of faith and say yes and follow you. God, I just pray a special blessing over Reagan and Dan. Lord God, that you would just come upon them and that the vision of this church would just continue to grow and multiply in their hearts, that the people would come around them and support them for what they are doing and what they believe in and what you believe in, God, to reach the nations for you, Jesus, that you would provide every single need for this church and for the refuge and that there would be so much more to give that they would be astounded that this small church in Phoenix would be able to give even more than $50,000 in 2019 and even more in 2020 because they have seen your heart and they have heard your heart and they want to go on missions too. Thank you, Jesus, for Jack and Carol, for this amazing, amazing vision and mission that they have in Australia, that their impact is is so big, they haven't even seen what you're about to do. We don't even know the magnitude of what you're about to do because of their obedience of saying yes to, uh, saying yes to you, God. We just thank you and praise you, Jesus. Thank you for this congregation that believes you, that believes in missions, that believes in your heart, God provide all of their needs. You take us above and beyond anything that we could ever dream or imagine. And you make us brave. Make us brave, God. 
make us brave. Let us stand up and step up to what you have called us to do. In the name of Jesus, amen. Stand with me and let's sing this song together. You make me brave. I stand before you now The greatness of your renown I have heard of the majesty and wonder of you King of heaven in humility I bow As your Crashes over me, crashes over me, for you are for us, you are not against us, champion of heaven, you made a way for all to enter in, you made a way, I've heard song of love that you sing oh so i will let you draw me out beyond the shore into your grace oh your
faith promises. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward. And uh, I just, I really do feel that there's an anointing on this conference, size and all, I think, that God's, the, the theme is anointed, greater things. And I appreciate Heidi sharing not just the history, but the future of open arms. But I, I do also, I, I want to say, you know, this, and I, I hope I'm not taking anything from Jack's sermon tomorrow, but he said something to me earlier this week, just in passing, that I can't get out of my head, which is just a simple conversation he had a long time ago with a pastor in which they were talking back and forth. Actually, it was an Australian pastor, now that I remember it. And, the, and as they were driving, he said to the pastor, the pastor said, well, we're doing this, and we're doing this, and we're doing this. And just basically, we really don't have time to, for missions, because the mission's this. And Pastor Jack said, I felt the Holy Spirit come on me, and I said, when are you going to stop seeing yourself as the mission field and start seeing yourself as a mission force? And I, as I thought about that, I thought to myself, when it comes to my relationship with Christ, Am I constantly looking for him to sow into me? And in and, the and, and same words, right? I got, I'm, I'm, I'm working on this, and I, I got the Holy Spirit doing this, and the Word is doing this, and Jesus is doing this. My relationship and my walk with the Lord is, is really all about what he's doing in me. But when you really break it down, it's even a gospel version of what I just described. It's I need God to continue sowing. He's sowing. He's imparting. He's sowing. And, and, and if I get too caught up into it, I'm, I'm just consistently the mission field. This church is sowing into me, right? This Bible study, it's sowing into me. How often do I hear somebody describe their pursuit of a church based on what it does for them? I, man, I just thought, how long will we see ourselves in this country as still the mission field? We don't have time for open arms or for Caladan for Vietnam I'm telling you I, I believe God is setting into motion through this conference something that will change this country I believe that I, I believe that those that grab hold of it and are willing to say God open my eyes to see something see exactly what Heidi said how you see me what we're capable of but that 
people's lives around the world are changed because maybe we'll be willing to give up a couple of coffees a week. And it may seem like nothing, but it's something. It, it really is something. $25 a month to educate, to protect the child. $25 a month. Right? Last year, our, our, our commitment to them was $500. 20 kids, 20 kids a month, your faith promise. Right? In Caladan, 30 kids got educated. In Open Arms, 20 kids got, went to Open Arms because of what you gave through the faith promise. And that, like, the devil doesn't want you to even realize what this is capable of. And by this, I'm not talking about this. I'm talking about when we look at this and go, what is this? This is for me to challenge my faith. God, what can I give? What can I give? You know, what can I do? And as you, as you have these, all the ushers come forward. If you filled yours out already, we're gonna, I'm going to pray and you pass and collect them and do that. Um, and we'll, we'll make it possible for that. But Father, I pray, God, Lord, as we use the faith and, and, the, and the resources that you've given us to sow into your kingdom, God. Sow into your kingdom, Lord. Father, challenge us and use us, God. In this way, love she said right God where you guide us you will provide Father God make us brave when it comes to the promise make us brave Father God give us big hearts and big eyes to see what you can do through us Lord Jesus let us not not lose sight Father of how well and how good and how much you've blessed us that we would sow in faith to sharing the gospel around the world God around the world Lord Jesus we thank you for it Father Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Heidi. They're going to be back at the table, and they'll be here tomorrow, too, to talk to them. I just want to thank you guys for coming out tonight. They're going to pass them. And if yours is ready, put it in there. We'll collect them again tomorrow and then Sunday night, and then we'll announce what the faith promise is for this year. And uh, thank you guys so much. Tomorrow we'll be at church at 1030, and then uh, uh, 6 o'clock. 6 o'clock tomorrow. Come out tomorrow night at 6 o'clock, all right? Six o'clock, not seven, six.